You're listening to Raceru Radio, where fitness and racing are combined. Each week, you'll hear us bring you a fitness tip to help you with your fitness journey, as well as covering the latest current event news, covering NASCAR, Formula One, and sprint cars. We always have lots to talk about, so buckle up and take another lap with us. Thanks for listening, and you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Facebook, you can find our multiple updates every week at Raceru Racing, and you can find our fitness updates at Raceru Fitness. Enjoy the podcast with Ryan and Jordan. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Racer Radio. It's been a minute. Um, we're here to break down the end of the season. Pretty much everyone's done. Uh, F1 just finished up today, and we need to catch up and talk about Phoenix from uh, Ryan Blaney's triumph. But um, had to wait, had to be able to get hooked up. Jordan, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. You know, just uh, had a wonderful week of delicious, yummy food and you know, now starting the slow recovery process of all that. Um, you know, good good weekend of football and still some racing going on. So, you know, obviously F1, like you just said, finished up. But there was still some dirt racing going on, too. So I don't know if anybody caught that, but the midgets are in full swing right now. Nice, and we'll get to that. But first of all, like we always do, we'll get our fit tip in. And so we're going to start off. It'll be a really quick one this time. It's getting cold. Um, I don't know how it is up in Pennsylvania for you, Jordan. Um, down here in North Carolina, it's uh, it's cold for us. So um, just below freezing this morning. Uh, it's been had several days kind of like that. So um, along with that, if you're working out outside, which is still a great idea, um, or even if you're just in you know a cold warehouse kind of box style gym, um, it's important to wear you know dress appropriately. Um, and be smart about your exposure. Um, in my experience, now everyone's a little different. Um, you want to wear something that's comfortable while you're working out, especially, you know, if you were doing a turkey trot or something like that, you're out on the run, you want to wear something that makes you comfortable and keeps you from being too cold. Um, but in my experience, now I just did a turkey trot on Thanksgiving morning. Um, and it, that morning it was around in the thirties, got to the forties. I think by the time I left it, it actually got to like right about fifties, but in, in the morning leading up to it, it was pretty chilly. Um, I did run in just a t-shirt. Um, but that, that's what works for me. I'm comfortable because I heat up really quickly. And so I think when you're dressing, however, you know, you know, if you're running, whatever you warm up to in your warm-up you want to wear that amount of clothes no more and no less because you don't want to be too cold uncomfortably during the workout um but also my experience for example this past uh turkey trot i didn't actually get cold until after the race was over i was just wearing a t-shirt then and once everything came back down then i was super cold another thing you need to take into account is that Hold on, I got Zach one ice cream. <laughs> if you're wearing a bunch of clothes or you're not wearing clothes that can wick sweat wet, especially if it's really cold, eventually you might start out warm, but if you sweat just a little bit, you're going to get wet and all that cold is going to seep and eventually the clothes you're wearing are going to get just as cold. So you got to take that into consideration for whatever you're wearing. 
Are you okay, sir? You do this every time we podcast now. Every single time. That doesn't come off. That doesn't come off. Yeah, it's it's actually funny we're talking about this topic, though, because just yesterday up here, we're like, you know, mid-40s, just barely eclipsing 50. And when we were uh, on our way over to Miranda's cousin's house yesterday, there was a guy over by York Hospital walking his dog. He was wearing just running shorts. And I'm telling you, it was pretty cold yesterday, even mid-afternoon. And he's just no shirt, running shorts, and he's, like, flexing for everyone to see him. And it was like, dude, you're not impressing anybody. I mean, like, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't care if it's cold. Like, For me, it's like that's uh, that's how I kind of get, especially, like, like I said, if I wear a long sleeve shirt, you know, I get pretty heated up pretty quickly. It, it has to be pretty cold or windy. Windy is what really gets me. So if I wear something long sleeve, after, you know, five minutes, I'm pretty heated up. And then I'm unbalanced in how much I'm heated up. Like my head's cold, but my body's super warm. If I wear any kind of pants and I just move, I get warm. I know you know how that is. So yeah. loading, you know, loading your clothing appropriately for the workout, but then also considering the after workout, because like I said, I got cold after I ran. I was kind of just, you know, walking around, chilling out, um, looking around at the Winslow Salem Fairgrounds as I was, you know, cooling down. Um, and that's when I got the coldest. And that's when, you know, honestly, I believe that's when you're more susceptible to actually getting sick, um, especially that rapid change of temperature um, for your body. I think that that's what they say that does it for you. I don't know. That might just be a myself. But at the end of the day, um, load appropriately for what you're doing. Understand your sweat level and how that's going to impact the clothes you're wearing. And then after you're done, you know, account for that as well. Um, it's actually no different than just going, you know, when you're going hunting, it's the same kind of thing. When you're walking, you know, you're going to be much hotter. So if you wear six layers of clothes like I used to, you know, when you're walking around, you're going to get hot. And then you sit down, you're going to get even more cold than you would have because your layers have gotten sweaty. They're now wet. They're getting exposed to the cold and getting cold soaked. So, um, but just be smart about it. Take care before, during, and after. Uh, prevent yourself from getting uncomfortable or too overheated, too overcold, and you know just be smart. That's the uh, that's pretty much what it sums up to. But try to get outside, get you know get exposed to the cold. It's no different than you know get ex exposed in the heat. Um, you know it's good. They say it's good for you to get cold, so don't discount that. Get out there and get cold. Yeah, I usually do that with work. I mean, speaking of hunting, I've been wearing my weight vest. I'm trying to get used to carrying stuff again. <laughs> Um, so it, it helped me last time, um, for sure. Getting used to carrying the weight, not that you carry a whole lot of weight when you're hunting. It's just the fact that you're carrying a lot of extra clothing and your bag normally. So it's not a whole, whole bunch more weight, but you know, it's enough to tell like your body feels that change with the weight that you're wearing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, I think I said this on one of the other podcasts or something. I don't know if you remember dad's like used to have those like shoes that I used to wear around as slippers all the time. That yeah. were, like the big poops. I wish I had those because when, when we're out hunting, like walking from the cabin to the tree stand, like, you know, you're up and down hills and all that stuff. But when you get in the tree stand at first, you're like, man, this is nice and warm for like the first hour. You're like, oh, I'm pretty good. And then by like the third hour, you're like, man, 
I'm wearing five layers of socks and my feet are still cold. Like yeah. what, what am I supposed to do about? And I mean, I, I don't know of any sort of boot yet that keeps your foot warm. Um, yep. I've, you know, I've seen ones that say they got heaters in them and stuff like that. But the only way I know to keep your feet warm is you got to get down out of the sand and walk around, get the flood, the blood flow back through your foot. And I mean, especially the first day, it's just all sitting for the most part yeah. Um, just yeah. to see what comes through. So uh, the year I got my buck, I was, you know, probably in the stand for three hours and then I dropped down and walk up a hill and walk back down and then my feet would warm up and I'd climb back up. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I, I get what you mean by you got to make sure you understand your body. Like my, my, you know, chest, you know, my legs, everything stays warm for the most part. Yep. But my feet and my hands are the Same. worst, the absolute worst. And Same. I just, I can't do anything. That, it doesn't matter how many gloves I wear or how many socks I wear. It just doesn't change. All right. So that was our fit tip of the week. Um, just essentially, basically, just pay attention to how you're, you know, you're layering. Um, be smart about it. Especially if you're inside and you're cold to start, you go into a building that's cold and it, you just got to wait till it heats up while you're working out, you know, take layers undress as you go appropriately. Um, but just, you know, manage that best you can get outside. It's still good. It's still good. Unless you're in the back room of the cabin, that's negative 20 degrees anyway. Cause that's how we sleep back there. I just bought a new sleeping bag. Cause I was like, hey, um, let me try this. <laughs> apparently there is merit to, uh, you get better sleep when you, you are in a colder environment and then you layer up to make yourself yeah. comfortable. It's hard to sleep yeah. when you're too cold. But it's, I, I hear it's worse. I personally, I get worse sleep when I'm home. So I used to um, have both windows open with the fan blowing out one and sucking air in, and it used to make my room super cold. And I had five layers of blankets on, but I slept like a baby. Never got sick uh, either through that whole this, time period. Because I was down like ten or so pounds this year, the cold got to me a little bit different. I had to get more accustomed to it. You can train yourself to it better, but. You know, when you lose some weight, you lose some insulation, fat or muscle or both, mm -hmm. it's going to get you different. So, yeah, um, definitely. Can moving, moving on to uh, the racing side of things. So um, I think that, well, well, let's talk about F1 because we're going to put a pin in that for the season. Um, pretty much Max the last one by 20 several, seconds again. Max won by 20 seconds again. He's won the last seven races. Um, that. <laughs> He, honestly, Abu Dhabi wasn't a terrible race. Uh, I don't think the last several races were terrible races as far as anything from second back. Um, but it really does feel, I felt Abu Dhabi wasn't bad on the surface, but it was just kind of a nothing race. You know, yeah. the biggest thing that everyone was racing for was second in the Constructors' Championship, which Mercedes was able to do, which when you think, think about it, it is mind-blowing. Considering George Russell finished eighth in points. Lewis Hamilton has had a couple races, but other than that, you know, you don't talk about Lewis being, I mean, maybe a contender for the back of the podium a lot, especially there, the the stretch, you know, through the fall was pretty consistent there. Uh, but a lot of time that George Russell, I've been very critical of George Russell this year, and Hamilton was better, but not great. Until today. So um, Ferrari did what Ferrari does. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I understand. I understand Leclerc's thinking in the in 
the way he tried to execute that plan, let Perez go by because you knew he had a penalty, um, try to hold up Russell. He didn't do it good. You could see them coming across the, the out of the last turn, and there's a good second and a half or so from Leclerc to Russell. You, he really needed what he really needed to do is Leclerc needed to um, take that long straightaway. You know, let, stay in front of Perez, let him get DRS and the slipstream down the long straightaway. Then, you know, right at the end, bail out, let him go by, or maybe even, you know, to the next step section that has that DRS long section again, again, then bail out and then through the technical section, just jam on the brakes, let Russell catch up, and then absolutely just pin him back. You know, that was the only thing he really could have done to, to manipulate that. And even that would have been hard to execute because then he might have let Perez get five seconds ahead of them both. And, uh, and it would have all been a wash, and he would have finished third instead, which maybe that would have even been more of a Ferrari thing to do. Um, I just don't feel like he did enough to do what he needed to do. And science, when they needed him to execute, just had a really, really bad weekend. Um, yeah. I will say that what happened with him in Vegas was bogus. Um, that was a track error that wasn't him. I know one person that I talked to was like, well, what was he doing running over that manhole cover? Um, I don't think you expected it to disintegrate. So, uh, I mean, it was obvious it was in the very first couple minutes of practice out there. So um, Abu Dhabi, decent race, but no one cares. Vegas, I thought, was a pretty good race for what we thought it was going to be. It was just way too late. Um, I yeah. know I didn't stay up. I recorded it and watched it in the morning. Um. But uh, see, now Perez there, Perez should go to Ferrari because of the way he Ferrari there. Granted, his setup wasn't favorable for leaving. Um, but man, don't give up a spot right at the end of the race. You know, you, winners pass people at the end of races. Losers um, give up places, you know. So and that's that. <laughs> Thankfully for Perez, he has done enough early in the season. And the rest of everyone had been mediocre enough that Perez locked in second in points. Um you know, I, I kind of said Hamilton was going to catch him the way it was looking there. And that just absolutely did not come to fruition whatsoever. Uh, Hamilton was pretty, pretty bad down the stretch here. Um, but yeah, to, to put a pin in it, you know, Abu Dhabi doesn't really get the love it deserves, I feel like, because it is a championship race. You don't have 2021 every single year. You know, 2016, 2021, good memorable races. But other than that, you kind of get to Abu Dhabi and they have the issue that NASCAR used to have at Atlanta a lot. And uh, the last couple of years at Homestead, no one's not a lot of people are really racing for a ton. You know, you're talking about constructors championships. No one's cares. No one cares. Yeah. That's and like so, points. I mean, yeah, no one cares. No one cares. And it's I mean, it's not I don't think Abu Dhabi is a bad racetrack. I actually preferred it when they had that little chicane before the long stretch. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, this it's it's a good track that gets a less favorable slot as far as good racing quality but you know they probably make pretty good of it because it's the championship or that's the finale and everyone's going to kind of tune in just to see everyone off um even mm. if the race isn't usually very meaningful so um vegas i thought was actually a tremendous failure and then a massive success um i as far as racing goes i thought it was going to be absolutely pathetic and it was actually pretty recent so i was kind of impressed with that um you know, uh, other than that, I don't think we talked about Brazil or maybe even I think Coda we did. Mexico, we did talk about Mexico. That was the last one before that. So Brazil was fine. 
um, Vegas was better than I anticipated, and Abu Dhabi just was what it was. So, uh, any final thoughts on F1 before we move on? No, to be honest with you, the last race I've watched was today. Um, I haven't watched very many F1 races because they were there for a little bit competing with NASCAR, competing with football, and I just kind of fell off of F1 there. I mean, obviously, when we knew Max won the championship, there was no excitement anymore. Um, not saying that you can't see what goes on in each race, but it just like, obviously we're not going to get another 2021. Um, and if we do get that, that'll be great. They just had perfect timing with that, with the Netflix series and then Max and Hamilton duking it out. And now you just have Hamilton stomping on everybody, which kind of was like before with Lewis, who was just stomping on everybody. Max, you said, you said Hamilton, you mean Max. uh, Yeah. Max stomping on everyone. And then Lewis did it before that's what my thought process was uh lewis did it before but um yeah i kind of fell off of it until today i was like oh the race is on let me watch that there's nothing else on so i turned it on and had it running and once i saw max get to the lead i was like he gone you know <laughs> it's like you know and then when i saw leclerc make an attempt on the first like lap to try and get him i'm like wait a minute wait a minute and then Max fought it off, and I was like, "No, nope, he gone." And that was it. <laughs> and and that was it. And you know, it's it, it like you said, the battle for seconds, pretty much there. But um, you know, after that, it's once you knew the championship was done and who had what, and it was just kind of like, "Eh, we'll see him off into the the sunset until next year and see what happens." So I kind of fell off of it. So I have nothing on Vegas except for I did see the video of him running over that manhole cover. Did he end up racing? Or was his car that beat up he couldn't? No, he did, and they fixed it. This is just this is what I don't agree with F1 in a lot, is that they decided to give him a 10-race break penalty for the, the work that they had to do to fix the car. And it wasn't his fault. Like, he, he didn't wreck. He, he hit an obstacle in the road that was a part of the track. So I yeah. disagree with the, them giving him a 10-place grid penalty. Yeah, that's kind of stupid. You know, that's, that's what F1 does. So, but yeah, yeah that's... You know, Ferrari, Ferrari, of course. So, well, I'm going to go get uh, this little man something to play on. So I'm going to turn it over to Dirty Talk with Jordan. I kind of jumped the shark and put us to F1 first. But now we're turning it over to Dirty Talk with Jordan. It's Dirty Talk time. Woo! All right, guys. So we got a lot to catch up on um, just because uh, the World Finals happened, you know, a, a couple weeks ago. And we haven't been able to talk about it. So going into the world finals, um, David Gravel to win the championship, he needed um, pretty much to finish 26 positions better than Brad Sweet um, pretty much through all the next three nights. And so pretty much it was an average of eight positions a night he had to beat him by. Um, and that's tough, if, especially if you watch the outlaws. It's tough to beat Brad Sweet by eight positions because he's normally pretty consistent. Um, So it ended up being David Gravel did what he could for night one, and he picked up the win in night one. Um, Followed by the second night, Brent Marks picked up the win there. And going into the last night, um, Gravel pretty much, he had to win, and Brad Sweet had to finish, I think, 23rd or better. So as long as he made the feature, he was going to do all right. Well, Brad Sweet did better than 23rd. He uh, won the season finale. Um, he walked it off and went into the sunset. And when I say he went into the sunset, we'll get that to here in a minute. But he won his fifth straight World of Outlaw Championship. 
Um, Casey Kane Racing and Brad Sweet put together a hell of an outlaw run, um, winning five straight after Donnie Schatz was dominating. And then Brad Sweet came out and said, not so fast. Watch what I can do. Um, some of you NASCAR people would know Brad Sweet because he did make a couple attempts in NASCAR um, through Casey Kane, did some stints with Hendrick in some Xfinity stuff, but never went further than that. Um, so what do I mean by Brad Sweet went off into the sunset um, with five straight? So um, obviously you guys heard me touch the last time that the high limit racing series has bought the all-star circuit of champions and which we kind of figured was going to happen, but we weren't really sure if that was going to happen. Well, Stewart sold it to him and it was kind of like, Hey, what's going to happen? Are they still going to have high limit? Or are they still going to have all stars? What's going to happen? Well, all of our questions got answered and the high limit series moved to a 50 uh, race show. It was originally, I think they had 10 this year. They now bumped it up to 50, but it's kind of what I said they were going to do. So it's all the high limit racing series, but on the Friday and Saturday shows, you're running the all-star circuit of champions, but it's called high limit series. And then on the midweek shows, you're going to have like the normal 10 race midweek show, maybe 12 race. That's going to be a whole separate point fund in itself. So as you're running the high limit series, actual series, you're pretty much getting world of outlaw benefits, except you can run anything you want, anytime you want. And they're not interfering with big races. Um, it's actually really cool. Matter of fact, one of the race weekends, actually two of the race weekends, they are interacting with NASCAR. This is huge. I don't know on what level it is, but they are going to be in the same area as NASCAR. And that's a big, big thing that's going to be coming down the pipeline, um, especially with flow racing being the main thing, um, the main shower of high limit. Uh, flow racing also does wheeling modifieds in the cars tour for NASCAR. So there's a lot of ties into that, which is going to be pretty interesting. So pretty much what ends up happening is Brad Sweet wins the World of Outlaw Championship before the banquet of the World of Outlaw <laughs> um, trophy presentation. The 49 Napa team for Casey Kane Racing declares that they are running the full high limit series next year and leaving the World of Outlaw tour. This is huge shot to the World of Outlaws because they're reigning champion took the money and ran um, the five year in a row champion said I'm out. Um, now I don't think, I, I, I think he's going to be one of the only outlaws to jump ship and run to the high limit series, but he's a partial owner in that. So we're not surprised with that at all, but so back to the, I want to say, I forget which two races. I thought I put it down here. Um, the two races, I think one is in Kansas that they're doing with NASCAR and I forget where the other one is. Um, but so the, the point fund is going to be a hundred thousand to win the midweek shows point series wise. And then the normal one on the weekends is going to be 250,000 to win that. Um, but every race has higher purses than normal. So this is huge. Um, the world of outlaws are going to have to step their game up. This is what they were afraid of. And this is what, Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet are trying to do is raise the purses, raise the money for sprint car racing, obviously, because it's very expensive to build a car, but it's you, you rarely get rewarded on winning. Um, these guys race these million dollar cars for five grand on the weekends. So it's really not that much to win. 
Um, the Chili Bowl, Kyle Larson banned that, or he he boycotted that this year along with a couple other drivers, and they already jumped their uh, race winning purse, uh, at least for the race winner. I think the purses are going to increase across the board substantially because it looks like a lot of those guys are going back to run this year. Um, but this is huge news. The world of outlaws are going to be shaking in their boots. They actually even lost a couple races that the outlaws ran. And one is at silver dollar race uh, raceway. It was the gold cup um, that was run by the world of outlaws. It wasn't a world of outlaw race, but they ran there. Now it's a high limit race. So the outlaws are not going to be able to run that unless they want to use one of the races that they um, that the outlaw allows them to do. Um, and to get more technical into that, the outlaws can only run so many races outside of their series before they lose point fund and or tow money. So it makes it interesting. There was two races on the West Coast that the outlaws lost. Um, and the Gold Cup was huge. That's one of them. And there was another one at, uh, I can't remember the, I think it was Skagit Speedway is the other one that they lost. Um, so that's huge. Um, they're losing races. They lost their champion. Um, and they, they need to bounce their purse. Now there's going to be, it's going to be a war. Now Larson and Sweet both said this is not a war against the world of outlaws. But if I'm the world of outlaws, I don't know how I save it at this point. Um, you have to increase purses, but you're going to have to make it so that the drivers um, value your series. And right now you have two drivers that own a series that are valuing their drivers very much. And they had the sponsorship money to do it, to make higher purses. So this is a huge, huge shot at the world of outlaws. So we'll see what happens in the coming years for this. Um, but like the Knoxville nationals, that's not an outlaw race. It's not outlaw sanction, but the high limits, not stepping on that, those toes, they're allowing their guys to run that with no restrictions. They can run anywhere. They could run Lincoln speedway, or they can go and run, you know, in Ohio somewhere in whenever they want to, they don't have to be stuck to one series. Now the outlaws don't allow you to do that. Um, and that's supposed to be the, supposed to be the prestigious of the world of outlaws, but it gets technical. So uh, like I said, we'll see how it goes. There's a lot of stuff involved with it, but um, we'll have to see how it, it trends next season. I think the high limit series is going to kick off huge. It did this year. And I think it's only going to get bigger. Um, but with that, like I said, there's still been racing going on and the midgets are running right now. They had the hang 10 100 and Kyle Larson just went out and absolutely dominated. Um, that's what Kyle Larson does in a midget. Uh, he's actually running his own car now. Normally he runs for someone else, but he jumped in his own car. And I mean, he just ke keeps on winning like he normally does. Um, this weekend was the, they call it the Turkey night at Ventura hundred lap race. And you guessed it. Kyle Larson won again. Um, and, you know, the, the Hank 10, hundred, he came from like 16th to win. So it's not like he's starting on the pole. Um, and I heard last night he started pretty deep in the field and, you know, by lap 70, he's up in the lead. So <laughs> actually it was with 70 to go. So it was 30 laps. He was up in the lead. So it, you know, Kyle Larson's going out here. He's still running. He's still mastering his craft. I'm sure he's going to do it all off season. And that's what I think brings him into when he comes to the cup series. I think it keeps him, sharp and keeps him ready to go. Um, and I'm just going to point this out, even though Christopher Bell has started to do better, I think since he stopped running dirt, he's not as good as he was in the cup car. So it, it, there is 
you know, validation that proves these guys are better running other things to keep their reflexes sharp, their ideas sharp. It, it just goes to show, I mean, Kyle Larson, he's Kyle Larson. He's the best racer in the world. And I know Bowman had some struggles this year with the injuries, but I think next year or some point he's going to be back in a sprint car trying to run it. So, um, but that's pretty much all for the dirt news. Um, we don't have any more updates right now, except Australia is starting to run. We got a couple guys that are going to be going out there soon. Sheldon Heidenshield's one. I think Brock Zierfoss is one. Um, so if you guys like to, um, you can watch the Australia races. The problem is they're usually Sundays and it's usually like two or three in the morning. So um, it's kind of tough to watch them, but you can always go back on Dirt Vision and rewatch them. So that's all I got for Dirt News. So uh, has the High Limit Series announced their schedule? I, I know that they announced like that they were going to do so many races, but have they released the schedule at all? I don't believe they released a full schedule yet. Okay. I know they've released some, but not a full schedule yet. Because I was interested to see that. Um, hopefully they come around here because I, I only get one chance to go see the Outlaws and it seems to never work out. Um, but yeah, yeah anyway. Um, and then to, to expand on your point, yeah, I agree that when guys have chances to go and run other series, they end up being better. Um, I mean, I, I even feel like Kyle Busch, ever since he stopped running the trucks in the Xfinity series quite as much, I feel like he's lost a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah even that championship in 2019, like I, I know that he won the regular season championship, but we've talked about it before, how it seemed like he fell off pretty good when they got to the playoffs. And you know, I just I, I've never really seen Kyle be quite the driver he was when he was going out winning all those Xfinity and truck races. So, uh, yeah, that's my thought on that. <laughs> so, um, continue on on the end of season stuff. Uh, Phoenix. Um, first of all, the truck race was an absolute just disaster. <laughs> um, let's just say how it was. Corey Heim had the best car. This is this is the rub. I feel like with this system, Corey Heim has the best car. Corey Heim gets taken out by Carson Hosevar. I don't think Hosevar tried to. I think he just ran over his skis, and uh, you know he he took them both out essentially. Um, and you know that's that's the problem with this series, especially you know we saw it with Carl Edwards in uh, 2016. The dude was dominating that race. He he dominated the whole race, and then. You know, one little mistake on a restart, and he's out. So, mm -hmm. I, I would understand. I would understand better if they made the championship round a two or three race series, because just because of that, it would make more sense to me. But I, I know they won't because you get these kind of races. Um, then, of course, you know Grant and Finger, dude, I was rooting for him so hard uh, to go out there, and you know he he had that thing won, and then Corey Heim for. The way he got disrespected, I understand. But then he manipulated the championship. That's, I mean, you got to call it what it was. I, I, don't, I know he didn't mean to. He wasn't trying to screw Grant and Finger over, but that's what happened. You know, you wrecked the guy for a reason, but you screwed up the championship. You know, I don't agree with it. And Ben Rhodes, to me, uh, for most of that race, if I remember correctly, he was running fourth out of the four. At least third. He wasn't particularly great until he needed to be right there at the end. Um, and just, you know, he got Grant. You know, Grant almost came all the way back uh, after, 
you know, several restart attempts. <laughs> it was uh, it was a pretty ugly finish to that. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Ben Rhodes wins. I don't really feel like if you ever consider someone to not deserve it, I would say that Ben Rhodes would be the one to point there. Um, I didn't think of him as being top quality all year long. And if I remember correctly, he's only won Daytona. Um, he only won like one race, I think, all year long. Yeah, I think it, so I think it was Zane Smith. Yeah, it was like he won one race and just, you know, he made his way through each round. Um, and as far as the way the rules go, you know, he was the winner. Like, I'm not saying they cheated. I'm not saying they did anything wrong. It's just the way that this system went, this was the ugly side of it. So, but you know, that's kind of been the truck series all year long, uh, unsurprisingly. Um, Ford continued their dominance. I, I did think that this was the guy who deserved to win as far as who raced on that night. Cole dominated that race. Um, and uh, Cole gave me a Xfinity Series championship, uh, completed my ensemble. Now I have a truck championship, an Xfinity championship, and a cup championship. Um, that was uh, <laughs> that that last restart. There was some f bombs being thrown um, on the initial start, and then just the most elation I possibly could have had. Uh, then happy f bombs after. <laughs> yeah, it was mad f bombs and then happy f bombs. Um, so I was I was real excited about that. Great to see Cole get one done. Um, I could say that John Hunter probably had the best year. Uh, it just took Cole and JT a long time to kind of get in the groove of things. But the way the, the second half of the year, even the, you know, the last three quarters of the year have gone for Cole, I would say he, he you can't argue with the year he had. Um, I know that we thought he would win more races, but he won the one that really mattered and they got it done. So, uh, and I was very, very happy to see John Hunter Nemechek uh, wreck, and Cole didn't even have to do anything to uh, retaliate from Canada. It just kind of happened the way it was. I will say this, the way it looked like to me, John Hunter said it, he went to turn one, and it just didn't turn. My eye test tells me that, yeah, it won't do that when you drive it in six extra lanes. It, it tends not to turn very well. So, but very happy about that. Uh, give me your first thoughts on those first two. Um, so really I didn't get to watch either one of the first two. Um, I was, uh, busy doing other things, but I did watch highlights and, you know, the truck series, when it comes down to it, that's what I expect kind of out of the truck series. Now it's not clean. There's a lot of, you know, you know, you wreck me, I wreck you. Um, Hosevar developed a name for himself by wrecking people. Um, but this one, unfortunately, I think he got the the small end of the stick because he uh he did overdrive it into one and two. I will say that he definitely overdrove it, took high mount. I don't think it was intentional at all. I think his thing was high has <coughs> the best truck. I got to get to his inside and hold it off the corner. Cause if I don't, he's just going to check out. So I'm not surprised he did that. It ended up wrecking him. We could tell Carson Hosevar drove different the rest of the race. Cause he should have been the truck to beat after that, and he just yeah. He, he totally. It's like he quit driving. It's like he gave yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. It was like he. It was like you could see the amount of guilt that hit him, um, because nobody wants to win that way. And then, you know, Heim unfortunately retaliates on him, 
takes uh, Grant out of it and keeps GMS from getting their walk-off into the Sunset Championship, too, because um, GMS is no more after this season. So that, you know, with Grant always having, you know, some sh- something happened to him in the championship race when he's there, it was kind of like, hey, he might pull this one off and then Corey Heim does that. And we all know Corey Heim will be perfectly fine. He'll move on. Um, Hosevar, he's obviously moving on, but what, where does that leave Grant Enfinger? You know what I mean? Um, he, he could have had a championship to his name and make it look better. And now he's just still Grant Enfinger. So, um, it's tough for him. Hopefully he gets a ride cause he, he definitely, uh, deserved that. If he doesn't, I didn't hear if he does, but hopefully he does. Um, the Xfinity race, um, yeah, we were all pulling for Cole, um, and he managed to pull one out that, and again, it's what everybody says that the worst part is about the championship race is that it's one race, but I mean, you have one game to win the championship in baseball. You have one game to win the championship in football. And I know there's a playoff where you get, you know, semifinals, you know, you get this round, divisional round, semifinal round, blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing with the NASCAR playoffs. And then when it comes down to the last of it, yes, I understand that there's a lot more factors that weigh in that can say, well, this guy's not even involved in the playoffs, but yet he still influenced how the playoffs went. Well, most of the time when we see it, it's the playoff drivers that are influencing how the playoff goes regardless. Um, hence, Heim, Hosevar, you know, and even in the Xfinity race, we got those restarts and, and you know, it was a really good race for the Xfinity race. We can't even complain about how it was because it was so good. Yeah. Um, so we, I think NASCAR needs that. And I, and I get it. You can, be the best car all year and blow your tire, but you can be the best team and have an off game. So it's just, it's just one of those things that happen. Yeah. And I understand it could be somebody else's mistake, but you know, it's just the way it's the way it works. It's the way these one-off games work. It's the way the Super Bowl works. It's the way, you know, you could have the best player on the field and he goes out on, on the fourth play, hence Aaron Rodgers with the jets and tears his Achilles. And then you don't have him. You have to make it through the rest of the game without that key player. So, yeah, I get what everybody says, and I get you should be able to be over a three ways. Hey, I did better over these three races, but that's what you do all year to get to the last race for, and then you got to have it all in the last race. And, you know, we've seen it before in every single race. Normally the top four are the top four playoff guys. So they bring their best there and – I mean, you could say, you know, Kyle Larson's the best driver in the field, but when he doesn't have the best car, he doesn't win. That's what happened. You know, he's the best driver out there, and I'll argue that till I'm blue in the face. But just because he's the best driver, if you don't have the best car, you're not going to be able to pull it off. Or, you know, we could definitely see it, and I'll, I'll point to this, the Ohio State-Michigan game. We could see the momentum yesterday. Michigan had nothing but momentum, and somehow Ohio State stayed around. I don't know how they managed to do that, but – Momentum means something. And when you get to the cup race, look at Ryan Blaney. He had nothing but momentum those last couple races. And boy, did it carry for him. And momentum's a real thing. Um, whether people want to believe it or not, when you start stacking momentum and you start holding it and things just go your way, things bounce your way, the ball goes differently when you are you have momentum. It's like, oh, man, he has so much luck. No, it's just the momentum that's carrying it. I, it Everything just bounces in your favor, and that just keeps you rolling. It's like a tidal wave. You just can't stop. You can't stop it until it crashes. Yeah, you, know, you, you have to. So that you have to try like a tidal wave. 
Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we've seen it in football before where a team's riding a whole bunch of momentum and then a fumble will happen. You're like, oh, man, that's going to pull the momentum out of them. And what do they do in the next play? They get the ball back or they put them on a three and out and they're getting the ball right back. And it's like, man, I thought their momentum yeah. was gone. And all of a sudden the wave comes right back and there they go again. And it's just it when with Ryan Blaney, I mean, obviously we're getting into the cup, but. When I texted you, yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead and get to the cup. We're we're good. We're good on the extended yeah. track. Go ahead and get to the cup. Well, well, when I texted you and I said uh, William Byron, I the whole week I was saying Blaney, 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 and I was like, man, I know how I've been with people with luck this year, and that's why I ended up picking Byron. But we sit here and we watch it. I mean, Blaney came off, racked off the last one in Martinsville. He had to. He didn't necessarily have to win, but it was better for him to do that. And he goes out there, he gets the win, rides the momentum when he gets to Phoenix. And they came out fastest car in practice. You know, they didn't qualify well, but normally Penske doesn't qualify well there, but they have a fast car there. And you've seen it. Everything went his way. Their pit stops were all but perfect. Um, sure, he didn't get out in front of Larson because Larson's team was better. But what happened? He just kept the momentum rolling and, once he got rolling after about 10, 15 laps, he was gone. He was in the wind, and everything just went their way. Cautions went right. Um, he didn't have to worry about that. The way where he could put his car, everything just went his way, and that's just the form of the momentum that he was riding. And, I mean, it was. I think it's a great race. I know when people say you get those long runs, it gets boring, but I'd rather be that way because, you know, people say the pit stops, the pit crew is the reason who's going to win the la win the, the cup race. And we've seen that the last couple of years, but I like the fact that it was a longer run. Um, you know, you get the pit crews in there. Yes, they're involved. It's a team effort. They get them out there. They get them where they need to get them or don't get them. And then you see the driver say, all right, guys, I'm going to pick you up. And this is what's going to happen. And we see that a lot. You know, it's not as much as the cars have gotten a more easy. I don't want to say easier to drive, but more aerodynamic to drive. But you see this where this driver just gets a, a look in their eye and they just go. And I've seen it with Larson in Knoxville. Um, I've seen it with him at the Kings Royal. He just gets a look in his eye that he just takes off. And Ryan Blaney had that look all weekend. He had that swagger that this was his championship to lose and he didn't let it go. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I kind of lost you there for a minute because Zach totally K-palled my microphone, but I kind of got the gist of what you were saying. Um, yeah, so for Phoenix, for me, I mean, I I kind of – I was hesitant to pick Ryan Blaney just because I knew the momentum had carried him that far. Um, and they kind of that, – that tidal wave we're talking about, tidal wave of momentum, kind of came out of nowhere. So I didn't really know mm -hmm. how tall that, that was going to be. Um, it was easy to pick him because he was – he had the best momentum going into the final. Um, and he was so good there last year. But, you know, he was good in the spring too. You just didn't really – I didn't feel like he was as noticed in the spring as he was last fall. So I was kind of questioning, would they bring that same element to the championship round? Um, but, you know, the, the Fords were really good at this style of racetrack all year long. Um, I felt like they had a little bit of an advantage there. Um, Byron, while he has had good runs through the playoffs – I just don't feel like they were kind of finishing the way that they had early in the season and they were snaking out those wins. 
um, Larson was kind of like a viper. He could jump up and get you at any point in time, but I just really felt like he didn't have the year. He didn't have that championship year where everything was going right. Yeah. Um, they just had a lot of things going right. So, and then Christopher Bell is kind of the same way. They had started to gain some momentum back, but a lot of the year he was kind of, he was kind of doing the bed roads things. He was just doing mm-hmm. enough to kind yeah. of, you know, and, and you know, like I said, the, the final round to get into the championship, they stepped up when they needed to, just like they did last year. Um, but you know, in when the moment came in, I I didn't see his wreck. I don't know how good he was doing before that. We were actually at the Renaissance Festival um, during that race, but I know he he quickly had he blew a rotor, and so that but that was kind of the gist of his year. You know, they they've had speed and not capitalized on it more times than than they have. Um, obviously, winning two races, he got one when he needed it, but. Um, you know, the other one was at the Bristol Dirt Race, which you couldn't you can't take too much from that. That that really doesn't seem to be a race that indicates who's going to uh, prosper in the playoffs. Uh, historically, yeah. it just it doesn't. Um, now, as far as the actual racing, I think we were all very impressed at how good Phoenix was. It still doesn't quite have that Homestead feel, I think. I think even just the high speeds at Homestead just yeah. make it it makes it look better. Yeah. Uh, especially when they run it at night at, at Homestead. So uh, I think, you know, Phoenix was better. It was as good as a product as you could expect it to have been. Um, right. It looked like people could pass. It was the same thing all year, you know, and everyone's basically running the same speeds, but if you had a good car, you could pass. That's, that's what bit me because like I told you, I was picking Blaney all week. I was like, I'm going to pick Blaney because he's got momentum. I'm going to just ride that. Well, here was my problem. I was sitting here and you were like, Hey, who's your pick? And for some reason I didn't just go off and be like Blaney. Nope. I grabbed my phone. I was like, let me look at the starting lineup. And I saw Byron was up there and I'm like, Hey, it's historically hard to pass on this track. And I don't want to pick Larson. Cause I don't want to give him the bad luck bug. I had all freaking playoffs. So I was like, Hey, let me pick... <laughs> I was like, let me pick Byron because it's historically hard to pass here. And him being up front, I didn't think Blaney could make it up. And that's the reason why I said Byron. And then after I did it, I was like, man, I should have I said Blaney. And then you, he texted me back and said Blaney. And I was like, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> but then then watching the race, I, I mean, I don't know if anybody wanted to say that you couldn't pass it this, this track because to me it looked like you could pass that. I mean – it looked really Phoenix looked really good. It's hard to say it didn't because it did. Here, here's my thing with Phoenix that I would like to see change. Um, I know that the restarts are exciting with everyone diving off into turn one. Um, I don't mind that. What I would like to see is, you know, green flag lap because of the way they have the start finish line now. I would like to say off a restart, fair game. Use every bit of the racetrack you can. But then after you come back to the line, I would like to see him start using the racetrack again. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it doesn't make What's sense to me point? anymore why we don't. You know, yeah. it's, it, it, I understand at most tracks, you you know, there is kind of natural limitations as to where you can go. There really isn't here. Well, you, know, that's you can kind they, of they eliminated it. It yeah, used to be grass. Remember, there. it used to be grass down there. Um, now, like 
like I said, the, the restarts get really exciting. There is a penalty for entering the corner too low, especially because the high line seems to be the one that prevails majority of the time. So I, I would prefer like, hey, let them let them eat going down into turn one on a restart. But when you come back, I would prefer almost like a double yellow line kind of rule where you have to stay reasonably on the racetrack. You know, maybe yeah. not even maybe not even um a double yellow line rule, but like put a cone or something like a cone, quote unquote, put right. something down there, a lane or two down that is an indicator you can't go all the way down to the wall to try to right. pass somebody into the corner. It's dumb. It, I just don't I don't like it. I think it kind of takes away from the fact of Phoenix is such a uniquely shaped track. We should be racing on the track. Well, so, what's the point in having the dog leg there if no one's using it? Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. Like, and again, and, for the restart, and, I get it. But for everything else, I just don't. And we found ways around this. It doesn't have to be grass. It won't tear up the cars. Put synthetic no. turf down there. No. All, well, all you need is, I think you just need an indicator. Like at Daytona and Taldega, you have the double yellow line. Maybe just do like a a line, you know, a lane down. I say a lane down because, you know, that way you can kind of cut the dog leg just a little bit if you need to. Yeah. If you're yeah. kind of squeezing somebody, you're not running into that issue. Because when, when you're up that high, you're going to want to be on the little bit of banking that's there. It's right. going to carry faster than being on the flat. So right. I think if you just do it a lane down, that way that there's not really any issues of like who should get a penalty in this situation or they, you'll have fewer issues. I right. think that it'll make these guys utilize the track better. So, I mean, maybe what they need to do is they need to bank the dog like better, you know, and carry some extra speed through there. Mm -hmm. Maybe that would be a, a, a cool suggestion. But I, I just don't like the way that, you know, on any random run, you can run all the way down to the fence to try to, you know, cut somebody off going into turn one. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> it's almost like a slider in, uh, yeah, on a dirt race, but it's just it doesn't work that way. It's, yeah, I don't no think it's worked catch very many times. So. Yeah, there's there's no cushion to catch you, even if you do it. Even though they say it, even though Junior says, "Oh, he slid up to the cushion." There's no cushion to catch you in, in cup yeah. racing. Yeah, and pavement racing. It's a no hypothetical catch yeah. It's a hypothetical cushion. Yeah, um, they say so. But it, like it, well, I was just gonna say in dirt racing, there's a little lip. That's what they call, yeah. call the cushion. Yeah. There's not that in pavement racing. No, there's not. There's nothing to that. There's just no more rubber. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, but as far as it goes, I mean, it's obvious that they want to keep at Phoenix going forward. Um, and if we're getting racing like that, I'm okay with it. Um, I will say this: that I think that having the championship round finale kind of idea, it's it gives the race more excitement than if it was just a standard race. So there is that. Yeah. Um, but can you imagine if Max Verstappen dominated the season like he did, and then they got to Abu Dhabi and had the same kind of thing? Number Ship one, would hit the fan. they would lose number their one. Minds. Could you imagine Max just dominating this race then again, having what it was 18 wins, now 19, and mm -hmm. then you know, five to go, blowing a tire. Or, or having an they, issue or a deal like 2021, just having something happen. Somebody yeah. drives, drives in there and just cleans his clock out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or, or, you and, know, in this case, if science, science could have, you know, held off, you know, just slowed down and then just go into yeah. a corner and totally clean Max out. 
yeah. and you could have Leclerc winning. <laughs> that would have been pretty, you know. But I, I will say this: as crazy as that sounds, it sounds crazy. It sounds oh, like it would doesn't work. Uh, but people it, would watch it, a it lot would. more. I think I think it, it would be a would. lot more of an entertaining race. Yes, it would definitely it would definitely work. And I will say this. NASCAR is not as much team driven. I mean, it no. is, but you have four guys on the same team and it's not like, hey, do this. I mean, okay, last year Ryan Blaney did block for Logano, but he didn't really need yeah. to. No. But he, he he just stayed there to kind of help him. That was a team thing. But it's not like they do an F1 where it's like, hey, you're the number two driver. That number one driver we need out of here, take him out. And they wouldn't say it like that over the radio, but it'd be something similar to that. Yeah. And, oh, you go into the corner trying to make a pass and you just happen to lock up and boom, you're both taken out. Uh, sorry for your lot that I, yes, I would definitely see that happening. hundred percent. I mean, you guys seen it in 2021 when Checo held uh, Lewis up for how long for Max mm-hmm. to try and catch up. And, that was without that scenario. I mean, it was kind of that scenario, but I mean, just imagine if Checo takes out Hamilton's wing or something like that. Just turn into him. Just turns into him. Break I mean, what are, they gonna, what are they going to do? Penalize Red Bull? Like, uh, you know, hey, you won the championship with this guy, but this guy, you know, you're paying the yeah. championship money back. Well, what do we care? We got the trophy. We don't care. You know what I mean? So, so <laughs> that would be, I think that would be very interesting. But because, like, like I said, Abu Dhabi was kind of just a meh, just the atmosphere around it was kind of like, okay, let's just get this done so we can get into the off season. So, um, but anyway, so back to Phoenix, uh, we're not going anywhere. It's going to be in the championship race for a little while. I get it. So let's kind of just lean into it, make the racing even better than what it was. I think they're going to try to do that. And we'll see how it goes going forward. Um, Ford has the new body style, which we'll see how that goes. It's got that dark Toyota horse kind too, of goofy. Uh, not to my knowledge. I thought Toyota I think... does. I thought it's Ford and Toyota, and then Chevy didn't yet this I year. I hadn't seen anything about Toyota, which Toyota, honestly, you know, they had some good moments this year for sure. They've been were competitive a lot. Um, but man, the Fords were just—it seemed like the cream of the crop when it's important, you know, the, the yeah. short track package. So when you get down to Martinsville, you get to the Phoenix, you know, they, they seem to bring it there. Um, and then, I don't know, it's been up and down with Chevy and Toyota. Here well, now. Like, it'll, it'll you'll be... see way, you'll see that momentum wave Yeah. at different points through the season. If you go back and review, you'll see that momentum wave. It'll be interesting to see what Chevy does because they had the option to change their body style because the Camaro is um, running out of production and they chose not to for another year. So it's going to be interesting to see yeah. what they do choose to go to. Cause I mean, unless you're going to the Corvette, what other sports cars does Chevy have? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Well, they, have the, go the only, the they don't have a sports car. They just have the Malibu. I think that's yeah. the only other car that they make. Yeah. That it's well, you have an Impala, but I don't know if they even make Impalas anymore. No, they don't. I think it's just if you go on their website right now, it's just the Malibu. Yeah. There's no other. I mean, there's no other cars. That's it. Yeah, they don't even make cruises no. anymore. Nope. Uh, so, could you see? Interesting. Could you see them doing the Chevy Sonic? That would be hilarious. But they don't make that anymore either. They don't, they make like that Bolt EV. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the EV car. Watch. 
<laughs> All right. So um, I, I was real impressed with the the racing, the good, the bad, and the ugly in Phoenix. Uh, good way to end the season. Um, as far as their picks go, I came all the way back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jordan had – I just want to say this. Going into – I think it was Daytona. Jordan had like 115 points. I had 65. We get right? it. I'm the Atlanta Falcons of, of the yeah. Super Bowl. The only <laughs> race the biggest that lead won, ever. To be fair, to be fair, the only race that you won was another race where I – where. One of us didn't pick Ryan Blaney when they said, as soon as they said their pick, went, oh, I should have picked Ryan. So and that was Saldega. You picked Briscoe. I picked Logano. And as I was saying, it, I'm like, I should pick Ryan Blaney. He's a better option. And uh, that was the one race that Jordan won. The thing is, though, like, Jordan picked good people for the majority of the races. And, like, who was going to think that Martin Truex Jr. was going to blow a tire on lap three at Kansas? And... <laughs> Who thought that Kyle Larson was going to smash the tire barriers into at Homestead? At Homestead? Like it, the races that he picked, there was a lot of them where he picked the guy who should have had a better race than they ended up with. Um, I did pass Jordan finally after Martinsville. And then it was double points last week. He picked Meyer and I picked Blaney. And uh, obviously that's all she wrote. So, I hate it for you, but, you know, I had a lot of the same issues at the beginning of the year. So I hate it for you, it, but I don't. It was like the playoffs did a complete 180, and it was ever well, since then, it was just bad, bad, It bad. wasn't – but it wasn't even that. It was that my picks – I think there was like six or seven weeks in a row that I had like a top five pick. Like I, I had mm-hmm. a driver who finished in the top five. So I won and got a top five. It was like weeks and weeks and weeks in a row. So and, and you mine know what? were all then, crashing. I think you still ha- ended up the year with more wins than I did. I think I had like one. So you had like two or three. Well, that accounts for something we'll <laughs> go with. <laughs> all right. So um, that's, a, that's the racing part of it for this week. I do want to just touch on some things because we saw the game last night. Uh, Ohio State and Michigan, I thought it was a phenomenal game. Like, to your credit, what you were saying earlier, Ohio State had momentum at the end. They really did. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Ohio State should feel any shame in that loss. I know they will because it's Michigan. But I, well, that I'll, if that pass, that last pass, if it was incomplete rather than yeah. picked off, I still think Ohio State has a shot. There was like 30 seconds left, and they were moving the ball. Yeah, and what they, what people have to understand is Kyle McCord is still that was only his eleventh game as a starter or twelfth game as a starter, um, yep. but and I'm not one to say refs dictated this or calls dictated that. There was two big key calls that I think would have changed the game one way or another, and yep. the one was the interception in the end zone that was a touchdown that was an interception. I get it was a tough call, but to me. The way it looks is Burke hits the ball, it starts bobbling, and if they go to the ground and the ball pops out, they're going to say it's incomplete. They're not going to say maintain possession through the catch, blah, 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 so it would have been incomplete because of how early it started moving. So with that being said, if that is the case, as the ball started moving and Burke comes up with the ball, like it wasn't a, hey, I have possession of it and he just took it from me. It was a no one really had possession of it because it kept moving the whole time. Mm -hmm. And he came up with the ball to me. 
that's an interception. I'm not just saying that because I'm an Ohio State fan. That's the way it looked to me. Um, the ball started coming loose, and he came down with the interception. And instant replay seen that. I, I, the first play, I was like, definitely a touchdown. The replay shows me different. Um, yeah. So that one, either I mean, either way, I'll sit here and say Ohio State had to play better to win. Um, that one. And the one drive for Michigan, their, their almost last drive where they got the last field goal, that one was definitely offensive P.I. On, it was like third and six, and he threw it to the tight end. I mean, he shoved the guy like three or four yards past him and then turned around and caught them. But that was definitely offensive. Even the announcer was like, that's offensive pass interference, but I guess they won't throw it. And I'm all for letting the guys play, but in key situations cool. like that, Two plays make there, a huge difference. Yeah, I and I agree. And I think if this game is played in the shoe, I think it's the same thing but reversed. Right. Um, I said I've been. I mean, I watched the game. I saw a lot of questionable things where I'm like, "Well, I would have called this. I would have called that." I don't think there was humongous inconsistencies. Um right. So I, I, I didn't hate it either way. I thought I, I enjoyed the as a team, a, a person who's Penn State fan, um, doesn't really like Ohio State and Michigan. I appreciate better because it's. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, because I do like him. Because what? Because they steal signs. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the only reason they beat Penn State. But, you know, I think that they're two very, very big-time, heavyweight, evenly matched teams. And yeah. at the end of the day, it was this was this was the game that it should have been. It was a very, yeah. very and, tight, and, and contested this is... game. And it, it hasn't been like that in years. So even the last two years, Michigan kind of ran away with it at the end. This game, I think, if you played these two teams ten times, I feel like they probably split five it's and close. five. Yeah. And and this is what – I wanted to say this on your post yesterday about the rankings because this is the part that I don't – and I will never understand. And I know next year it's going to change this. But this is the thing I don't understand. So Ohio State played three top ten teams this year. One was mm -hmm. Penn State. They beat them. Michigan also played Penn State when they were ranked. I believe they were tenth, so they're still top ten. Yep. So they and beat man, it, Penn they State beat will break 10. back into the top ten after this week because Louisville lost, and Penn State right. whipped on Michigan State. Right. So Penn State's still going to be a top ten team. So they have a win over that. They also have a win over at the time Notre Dame was ranked number seven. Mm -hmm. They beat Notre Dame. That's a second top ten ranked team at the time. Michigan only has one over Penn State. Now they have a second one over Ohio State. The thing about it is, is these are the second and third ranked teams. Yep. It's not, you know, a second and twentieth ranked team. It's a second and third ranked team. They gave you the game that you would expect to get from two top five teams battling, and. I'm not saying or making a pitch for Ohio State to be in the college football playoff. What I'm saying is I am the 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 problem is and we've seen it the other year where one of these teams got snubbed. I think it was Michigan or something. Well, no, TCU actually beat the brakes off of Michigan and then got the brakes yeah. beat off of them in the national title game. Um, and the national title game was more it was a uh, the semifinal with Georgia and Ohio State was more of a national title game than anything. But. I mean, here you got Washington, who almost lost to Washington State yesterday. And I get it's a rivalry game, but they're going to come out against these teams like Georgia and Michigan. And who knows? They're probably going to get the break speed off of them because these teams are dy they're dynasty teams. Um, yep. And then you got Florida State. They lost their starting quarterback. I didn't even see if they won yesterday. They won. But I don't so think they won, gonna... but not convincingly over a very bad Florida team. Yeah, so you got these teams. I mean, like, 
Alabama, they're undefeated. They almost lost to Auburn. They're not undefeated. No, they're not they undefeated. One, yeah, they have one loss to Texas. Um, but Texas also, after they beat Alabama, laid the biggest goose egg and lost the, like the week after. Um, to, Oklahoma, to, to Oklahoma, who does not look like the same team at that time. Right. So the, the thing that I have an issue with is Ohio State's probably going to drop past Texas and past Alabama is what I'm going to assume they um, in the rankings. They shouldn't, but that's probably what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to snub Washington because they are having a great season. Do I think they deserve a shot? Sure, they definitely do. Um, Florida State, do they deserve a shot? Sure, they definitely do. Um, but Ohio State shouldn't drop past Texas or Alabama. Um, and they should still be in the college football talks. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it gets really technical now because you're going to have Georgia playing Alabama in the SEC championship game. If Georgia loses – then you have Alabama, who's now one loss team, who just beat Georgia, who's probably going to fall to four. You're going to have Ohio State there in the mix. Like, is Ohio State better than Georgia? Is Georgia better than Alabama? Even though, you know, is Alabama going to jump everybody and make the college football playoff, but you're not going to keep Georgia out? Like, this is the only problem with it being a group of four. Um, and, all, and, and again, it comes down to if Alabama beats Georgia, but you also have – Washington playing Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. If Washington lose there, is Oregon going to jump Ohio State? Does that make sense? You know, it's these things that, to me, it doesn't make sense because you have a better team at three or four sitting there. You yep. know what I mean? And then you're going to have a team that's like, well, because they beat them, they have to jump in. Well, Auburn almost beat Alabama, and if it wasn't for an amazing no, they beat pass. Them. I'm going to get there when you're done. If it wasn't for an amazing pass by that quarterback and an amazing play by the receiver and a total letdown by the Auburn defense, mm -hmm. uh, and it should have been a win. But um, you see that, and the only loss that Ohio State has is to the FBC ranked two and the playoff ranked three team. And th they lost to the two or three team. That To me, I'm like, how do you even drop? It yeah. that doesn't make sense. So, so here's here's my take. Georgia, Georgia won last night, right? They had to have won. Yeah. So Georgia, Georgia's undefeated. I believe so. Yeah, they played Georgia Tech, and I know it was closer than what it should have been, but I'm pretty sure they beat them. So you you know you got Georgia there sitting undefeated. They deserve. Let's put it this way: they should go and beat Alabama the way that Alabama played last night. They you should imagine that they're going to be in. Michigan should go and beat. Iowa, I mean, Iowa got absolutely blitzed by Penn State, and it's clear that Michigan and Ohio State are better than Penn State. Um, so that should be Michigan going in undefeated. But the other two teams, you have Texas there who's looking good right now. They are. They absolutely are. But they lost to Alabama. Alabama yep. has, you know, one loss to their credit, looked pretty good aside from that. But they lost to Auburn. That was a push-off. Look at that yep. pass again. That, that should have been a push-off, should have been um, a – not been considered a touchdown game over Auburn won. Alabama should have been out of the conversation in my opinion. Um, your other question mark is the PAC 12. You're going to have uh, Washington versus Oregon. Oregon has one loss to Washington. So if mm -hmm. they split, depending on how it goes, depending on how right. it goes, that's what it really depends. Um, I think that the loser should be eliminated from contention, especially if Oregon loses again to Washington. They're out, and Washington deserves their right to be in. Um, but if they split, 
you're going to have a bunch of one-loss teams there. And like I said, Texas, their one loss is to Oklahoma, who, if they're still ranked, it's like the back half of the teams. Alabama lost to – I don't think they are ranked. Alabama lost to Texas, who looks better. You know, it's a better loss. But it's not as good as Oklahoma – sorry, Ohio State's loss to the number three team at the time. Yeah. Um, By the way, I think the only reason – I think this is – the committee does things to manipulate um, because of – potential outcomes if michigan loses i feel like it's easy for them to bump michigan out of the playoff position but i feel like that was the kind of the consensus hey if we put michigan ahead of ohio state and we think michigan's going to win this game ohio is going to be basically knocked out of the contention altogether and we still like them so let's put them ahead of michigan if michigan wins like we think they're going to ohio doesn't drop as far they're still in the contention that's how I feel like they manipulate these things. When you see a question mark, why do they put Ohio State above these other teams when these other teams haven't lost? Well, that's why, because we think that one of the teams is going to beat that team, and we don't want that team to fall completely out of contention. So, right. And to, to be to be fair, Ohio State did have some big wins, even though you know some of the teams don't look quite as impressive. Right. Um, well, some of the teams, I say that. Notre Dame doesn't. Penn State, I think, Notre still Dame. looks yeah. like a top-10 team. Yeah. Um, they just can't – they couldn't move the ball against Ohio or Michigan. So I feel like that's how they manipulate it. I feel like that's – And if they stop if they stopped Michigan's run game, which they didn't, but if they could stop Michigan's run game, they had their pass game locked down. Yeah. That was Penn State's problem there. And they fired the offensive well, coordinator, but I think they need to fire the defensive coordinator for that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Manny Diaz, dude, is the reason why Penn State is as good as they are. Because uh, right. the offense could not move the ball. Like that, please yeah. understand. If yeah. Penn State had any semblance of offense in either of those games, we're looking at Penn State being in the consent consideration right yeah. now, not one of the other two. Because right. no one else, if I, I'm pretty sure I'd have to look. I don't think any other team held Michigan or Ohio State to as few of points. So yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. They're solid. If Drew Aller wasn't complete garbage, I think Penn State wins at least one of those games. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's my take. We'll have to see how it goes after uh, you know championship week this weekend. Um, I still have Ohio State on the back half, and depending on who drops out, you know, we'll have to see. I think even if Georgia loses, I think that they still get in. And this isn't as much of a conversation just because of Georgia's merit over the last few years. But that's uh, – I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Alabama was quite as good as what we thought they were. They should have lost that game yesterday. Well, and, I mean, sitting here looking at the scores, Georgia beat Georgia Tech by seven points, mm-hmm. right? So, sure, it's a rivalry game, but it's Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. You beat them by seven points. You have Washington, who's ranked four. They beat Washington State by three points. Florida State won by nine points over Florida. Wasn't a huge win, but and I think that they're going to lose points. to Louisville in in the championship game. I I don't think they have the quarterback they need to, to win. Right. So I'm sitting here looking at one who won by seven points over an unranked team. I'm looking at four who won by three points over an unranked team. I'm looking at five who won by nine points over an unranked team. I'm looking at number eight who won by three points over an unranked team. And then you have Ohio State, Michigan, who really was about a three-point game. Sure, it ended up being six, but that's a two and three team. Like, it's it's 
It, they're ranked two and three, and they only it was a six point game. It's what everybody expected. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so to me, I just yep. don't understand how the rankings work. Like, oh, they're well, not undefeated; they don't get. In the and playoffs. again, and again, depending on where they place them, because uh, did the rankings come out? Yeah. They, uh, they won't come uh, out until tomorrow. Uh, so yeah. if Ohio State is five or six, that tells me that they're saying, okay, whichever of these teams loses in the conference finals. They're knocked out in Ohio State's in. If they're close, that's my messaging. I, that, that's I, would think I, they, I think they got to be five, if any, because they're definitely better than Texas and they're definitely yeah. better than Alabama. If, they, if that's think, what they I do, I think they have to be five. If they're, because I feel like they might put them behind Florida State, they might put them behind. Um, well, I think Oregon, Washington will move to three. That's the manipulation. If you put if you put them in behind Oregon and Florida State. Which if Florida State loses, which they have a good chance to, they're out. If Oregon loses again, Washington, congratulations, you're in. If Oregon, well, I guess it depends. It depends on where if they put them ahead of Oregon in that case. If they're ahead of Oregon, then it's like well, okay, if they beat whichever, Washington, we think that Ohio State's better than Oregon. Yeah, that, that's and how that's, I feel. If Washington loses, they're out. If Oregon, yeah. you know, Oregon's. Either one, whichever one of them loses, they're out. If Florida State or Washington lose, I feel like Ohio State has to replace them. Yeah. That's just, I feel like that's how, it, like, and it only makes sense just due to the rankings. Like, I get Oregon is a one loss team, but even still, Ohio State is better than Oregon. Uh, like, that's just the way it, and if yeah. they play, if they would play them and, you no. know, you know, they beat the brakes off of them, that's different. But now I will say this uh, to contradict what we're talking about. This, there has never been a better year to sit here and say, look, we're just taking sure. conference champions. That, sure. that that argument is very sound. Sure, 100%. I could, so. I could see that 100%. And for well, the Pac-12 anyway. becoming the Pac-2, I could see them being like, hey, a Pac-12 <laughs> team needs to be in. So. All right. Well, that's my final thoughts on football for the week. Um, Ravens play tonight, so we'll see how that goes. That's usually always a disaster to – wait around for them to play on Sunday nights and, and worry about a game that they play way too close that they shouldn't be even messing around with. Yeah. But Well, the Chargers have a good offense, but we should absolutely torch their defense. Well, you would hope so. That's yeah. what I'm saying. We kind of let teams play hang around, i.e. Uh, the Browns. Every loss we have this year. Every loss we have this year. Yes. All right. So I'm going to pin it there, and we'll catch up at some point in time. Uh, Jordan, you got any final thoughts? Nope. You guys just have a good one. Stay safe while I'm out in the woods looking for Bambi. <laughs> Get something bigger than Bambi. Thanks for listening to us Give for this try. great race season, and we'll catch you all next time.